Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. As um, our friend and musician Zaheer told David and I uh, this week, he said, this is like Holy Week for Dwell Church. I said, yes, it is. Um, such an incredible week. I hope that you are going to get in on some of Dwell Conference. Um, man, we had such a beautiful time Wednesday night at worship and prayer. It was just such a beautiful time of preparation for all that God's going to do among us here this week. Um, and I believe that we are going to be transformed as a body of believers this week. We're stepping into something new. God said Wednesday night, this is a new thing. Get ready for it. And, um, and so let's, let's this week ready our hearts. You know, if you can't get in on it live here in the room, man, get yourself a live stream pass. Um, and, uh, it's going to be awesome. But Wednesday night, there was such a, a, um, a spirit of thanksgiving and praise in the room. And um, it was just like flowing out, just like my cup overflows. That's the way, that's the way it was here Wednesday night. And so um, I just began to dig into some study this week on praise and the power of praise. We've been um, teaching on, we've been preaching about being a presence people. We here at Dwell Church, um, we are a presence people. And um, a presence people are also a, they're a praising people. We know scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so in order to be a presence people, we have to be a praising people because God is enthroned on our praises. Okay, so um, so we're gonna dig in. I'm gonna get right to it because um, I have a lot to share. Um, I first wanted to um, talk about briefly um, the seven Hebrew words for praise. In the English language, we have one word for praise. But in the Hebrew, there are seven words for praise and they all have slightly different uh, meanings, different expressions. And so... Um, so we're going to go through those. Some of you may be already familiar with that. Um, and so we're going to touch on it quickly before I get into my message. Okay. So the first one is halal. Okay. This is where we get the, the word hallelujah, halal, Yah, Yahweh, hallelujah. So halal, I'm going to read this. Halal is a primary Hebrew root word for praise. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, show, to rave, celebrate, and be clamorously foolish. I think it's probably kind of hard, hard to hold on to our pride or what people are thinking about us if, when I see that definition. To be clamorously foolish, halal. Um, so num in number two, the, 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 the second word, Hebrew word for praise is yada. And yada is a verb and it means, it means the extended hand to throw out the hand, therefore to worship with extended hand, to lift the hands. So this is so powerful, right? Because 
you may, you may have been raised in church. You may have been in the church all your life. You may be new to the things of God. And you're like, why are we doing these things, right? Because it's in scripture. And these are, um, these, these, these are detailed um, descriptions of what uh, praise is, the different types of praise. Um, so I love this because so yada is uh, worshiping with extended hands to lift the hands. But listen to this, according to the lexicon, the opposite meaning is the wringing of the hands. What a picture, right? Wringing of the hands, worry, concern, fear, panic, wringing of the hands, but yada. So the opposite of that is to lift the hands, to extend the hands and worship to God. Oh, I love that. Okay, woo. Number three, tau da. Ta-da, no, just kidding, tau da comes from the same principal root word as yada, but is used more specifically. Tauda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, a vowel or acceptance. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking God for things not yet received. love that. Oh my goodness. Okay. Moving on. Number four is Shabak. And it means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, Shabak. So when we, when we say lift up a shout to the Lord, there is power in that. It's, it's um, taught to us in scripture to shout, to command and to triumph, Shabak. Okay, number five is Barak, which means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration, to salute. Barak, to kneel down. It's one of my favorite ways to worship the Lord, to kneel down before him as an act of adoration. Number six, Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument to sing, to praise. It's a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music with musical instruments. Oh, Zamar. And we see this, you know, in the Tabernacle of David, what's so amazing, I've been doing some study uh, recently. And, you know, the, the, the Mosaic covenant was still going on um, in, in, uh, in the temple, they were still kind of offering sacrifice the way God had uh, instructed Moses. But at the tabernacle of David, where the ark of God was, where the presence of God was, this was the kind of expression of worship and praise that was going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So they, they had, um, you know, lead chief musicians that would train the musicians and how to, I, I researched this this week. This is really cool. There was even instruction on how to change a string on an instrument because the praise couldn't stop. It had to continue. Is that amazing? Man, wow, Zamar. Okay, the, in number seven, the last one is Tahila. Somebody say Tahila. Not tequila. <laughs> That's something different. Tehillah. Okay, Tehillah is 
The singing of halals, to sing or to loud, to perceive, perceive to involve music, especially singing hymns of the spirit or praise. So as you're like reading through the book of Psalms and you see praise, we see praise all, all throughout the book of Psalms. Um, you can actually study and, and figure out which, which Hebrew word is he actually a meaning here. It's really powerful. Okay. So digging in now to 10 reasons why we should praise God. 10 reasons why we should praise. Y'all ready? Okay. Number one, simply because he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. We sang about it this morning. All of our, our worship set this morning, um, I was like, man, this is powerful. We sang about praise, but when we sing worthy is your name, you know, that's the song they're singing in heaven. They're singing holy and they're singing worthy. Psalm 18 verses one through three. Oh, I love this. Okay. This is a Psalm of David. Before we get to the scripture, I'm gonna read um, a little bit about this Psalm. A Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day, get this, on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. Wow, what song would you sing on the day that God delivers you from all your enemies? This is what David said. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock and whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. Mm, all of Psalm 18 is beautiful, but I don't have time to read it all today. Um, I also, we, we also see this in uh, Revelation chapters four and five. Um, in Revelation four, verses nine through 11, um, this is a picture of the throne. Um, did you know that this pulpit is not the center of his church? <laughs> Jesus is the center. And so we see in Revelation um, chapter four, verses nine through 11, we, we see them singing holy, singing worthy. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you Lord. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they existed and were created. So I love this, you know, in moments when we're in worship and, and we just say, sing to the Lord, open up your mouth and sing to him. And sometimes it's like, I don't know what to say. What do I say to him? Let me tell you, it is always appropriate to sing worthy. You are worthy, God. You're holy, you're worthy, worthy is the lamb. Jesus isn't worthy of our praise simply because he's a son of God, but he's worthy because he, 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 did, he took care of our sin. He did it. He became the ultimate sacrifice. He fulfilled the will of his father by dying on a cross for us and he rose again. He is worthy. 
Okay. So we praise him because he's worthy to be praised. Number two, simply out of obedience, the Bible says to praise him. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord Praise the Lord. We praise him simply because the Bible tells us to. Back to Revelation, Revelation 19 verses four through five says, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, amen. I usually say amen, but in this context, I feel like it should be amen. I don't know, it feels a little more holy. Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Okay, so we praise him out of obedience, the Bible says to. Number three, I love this. We praise him because he has prepared a place for us. Did you know that he's prepared a place for us to meet with him? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here it is. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And we say this every Sunday here at Dwell, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He has prepared a place for us. You know, when David wrote this, he literally had enemies chasing after him, after his life. That probably doesn't look that way for us in our modern context. But your enemy could be fear. It could be disease. It could be lack. It could be depression. Find the place of protection and peace in his presence that he has prepared for you. And what, look, think, think about this. The moment that you begin to sense his presence and you go, oh, he's here with me. Did you know then he, he knows that you're there with him. He senses you. What a picture. Well, I'll talk about interaction with God. He has prepared a place for us. King David understood that every day is a day prepared for praise. That's why he made the word praise part of the vocabulary of generations to come. Every day is an opportunity, is a day prepared for praise. He's prepared a place for us. Okay, another reason to praise. Number four, many will see it and be glad. 
Many will see your praise and be glad. Psalm chapter 40, starting at verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, <laughs> out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Many will see it, your new song of praise, and they will fear and they will put their trust in the Lord. So one of the greatest tools of evangelism that you have is, is worshiping God. He has put a new song in my mouth. Get this, you get the new song when you live in a place of remembering what God brought you out of and into. <laughs> oh, don't, grow, don't get so big in God, you think you, you can't remember where you were. Oh, that'll keep praise ever, forever in your mouth when you remember what he has done for you. When you sing your new song, it opens the spirit realm for others to hear and see your song. Did you know that scientists tell us that you can actually see sound? Okay, many will see your song and be glad. The wonderful acts of God start to be unveiled and revealed to people when they hear your song. Mm, number five. Praise breaks the appointment with death. Y'all almost ran around my house when I found this this week. Praise breaks the appointment with death. Appraising and praying people have an authority in the spirit to break the appointment of death. Psalm 102 starting at verse 16 says, for the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven, the Lord viewed the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. From heaven, the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to death. There, there is no way for us to uh, quantify or know. When, when, when we're with the Lord, when we're in glory one day, maybe we'll get to see all that our praise did. Did you know just even by gathering in this room and releasing a sound into the atmosphere over, over Allen, over um, Dallas, over this region, we are waging warfare in the spirit. We are breaking the appointment of death over a region. 
It's actually been proven scientifically that physical changes take place on a cellular level just by the impact of music. So if music can change the cells in your body, what kind of miraculous impact can worship that is played and sung to the Lord have? Yes. Praise breaks the appointment of death. Mm. We might just all have to take a lap when we're done. Okay, number six, we praise him because he dwells in our praises. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Our praise produces his presence. Psalm 22 Verse one, verses one through five, the psalmist says, my God, now, now, okay, I gotta say this. You know, when you read through the Psalms, I love, uh, I've heard Bishop Garlington say, read the Psalms until you find yourself. You are constantly seeing the psalmist, uh, in pretty much many of the Psalms that David wrote, he is in, he is in a desperate place. And, but then you hear him begin to encourage himself in the Lord. You hear him begin to declare the goodness of the Lord right in the middle of a situation. And you see uh, the, the shift in his perspective. So he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear it in the night season and I'm not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. And so here, right here, we see David doing what we've talked to you about doing, remembering your history with the Lord, remembering your faith. This is why it's so important to share what God has done with our children, with those around us, that what God has done, because we can look back. Maybe we're in, a, we're in a, um, such a desperate place. We're like, but I know what you did for my father. I know what you did for my mother. I know what you did for David. I know, I remember the time you delivered us. And before you know it, my goodness, you see the bigness of our God and that he dwells in our praises. Because he dwells in our praise, the prophetic is opened up. Your praise, so when he comes and sits down, he's there with us. And so the, the prophetic realm is open. Your praise opens up the place for you to hear what God is saying now, because he dwells in your praise. Prophecy is both foretelling telling what is to come and forth telling, as in bringing forth the word. So you're creating what God is saying in the now moment. You know, when you're in worship and, and God is here, he's dwelling in our praise and something just, something is highlighted. It could be a line in the worship song that we're singing. It could be something um, that, that the pastor is preaching and it's like, it hits you and it's just for you right in that moment. That is because he is dwelling in our praise. He's here with us. And so we begin to see what he's saying right now. Okay, a now word into your life and into that moment because he is dwelling in our praise. Okay, number seven, praise refines and purifies our nature. 
I'm gonna say that one again. Praise refines and purifies our nature. So this is an interesting scripture in Proverbs 27, verse 21. It says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. So just like refining gold in the fire, you know how the impurities come to the surface, right? And so that refiner removes the impurities, takes the dross off the top, and it's this process until the refiner sees his reflection and there's pure gold. Um, and so that is what praise does when we come into his presence and we give him praise. And any, any accolades, any glory, I, I said a few weeks ago, you know, we have a glory. Whatever it is that, um, that we're known for, whatever, when you walk into a room, the, the weight that you carry because you're great at this, that, that is a glory that, that we carry. And when we throw that on, on God, when we say at the end of the day, God, whatever praise I may have received, whatever, um, I, I, I throw it on you. I take my crown, I cast it at your feet. I believe this belongs to you. And so as we give him glory, as we praise him, our nature is refined and purified. Praise crucifies our flesh. <laughs> Proverbs 27, two says, I didn't give you this scripture, but it says, let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Did you know that like fan-based Christianity is not a godly idea? <laughs> I just wanna say too, there are no superstars here. You know, our elders, Steve and Lisa Lyman are up here receiving our tithe and offering. And all of the leaders in this house, the elders in, in this house have a, um, a revelation, a radical revelation on giving. And, um, you know, we, we love, we believe in team here because there are no superstars in this house, okay? Um, but, but the praise belongs to Jesus. Don't get it twisted. I don't care who your favorite worship artist is. Man, our friend William McDowell, who's actually, who's gonna be here at, at Dwell Conference this week on Thursday night, he heard him say recently, he was talking to a group of worship leaders and he said, you are never more like Lucifer than when you are leading worship and wanting to be famous at the same time. glory belongs to Jesus. So when praise truly is unto the Lord, your praise will purify your nature and crucify the flesh rather than promoting fleshly ideas and impurities into your life. Praise refines and purifies us. Okay. Number eight. Oh, praise prepares the way for deliverance. Mm, okay, I'm gonna read a lot of scripture to you on this one. This is the story of King Jehoshaphat and Judah, the nation of Judah, um, the people of God. We're gonna read from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 here in a second, but here's, here's the, the premise here. There's a, um, 
a vast army that's coming against the people of God. And Jehoshaphat calls a fast. And he says, you, you may have heard this line, uh, this line, you, you may have heard this scripture in church. And someone says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what King Jehoshaphat said when he found himself in this position. The enemy army far outnumbered them. But then the prophet spoke and gave instruction from the Lord to send the worshipers ahead of their armed soldiers. And it confused the enemy army. And so the enemy army turned, they ended up killing each other in their haste to get away. So we're gonna read this story. It is a beautiful story. Praise prepares the way for deliverance. Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse one, all the way through 27. So y'all stay with me, okay? It happened after the end. I may say some of these words wrong. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read right through them. I'm just gonna act like I know exactly how to pronounce them. <laughs> okay, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is Engedi. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you get to go see Engedi. Just so beautiful. We've been there. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So King Jehoshaphat calls a fast. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? <laughs> and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them. But here they are, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I love this. Now all of Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And the prophet said, listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, 
Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. You see this? They turned on each other. They killed each other. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And there were three days, three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. (laughs) You know, it's old song I was listening to just this morning. I went to the enemy's camp and I, took back what he stole from me (laughs) what he stole from me took back what he stole from me okay 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 (laughs) more than they could carry away and they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much and on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah 
for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. Never underestimate the power of your praise. Your praise prepares the way for deliverance. Okay, number nine. Praise enables us to minister to God. We've been reading about what praise does and how it delivers us and all that it does. But there are the times, right? We, we come to him not to receive a blessing, but to bless him. That should always be our motive because here's the thing. And this is why even in worship in this house, I know there are moments when we may minister to you during worship, but, but the goal of our worship in this house is to minister to the Lord because the greatest thing that can happen because he dwells in our praise, because we've come to minister to him, he shows up and he can't help but bless you anyway because it's who he is. It's his nature. But when we come to him and we just say, God, my motive is just to bless your heart. That is, a, that is healthy, holy interaction with the presence of God. Psalm 103, verses one through five, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So we get to come to him simply to minister to his heart. That's our motive. We get to, we get the privilege of ministering to him. Wow. Our praise enables us to minister to the Lord. Okay, musicians, you can come to the front and play. I'm gonna go into the last point here. And um, I just feel like this was really important as, a, as we launch into this week that we launch into this week and you know, next year, next, uh, next Sunday is our four year anniversary. And so we're gonna be launching into a new year as a body. And we have seen God do so much this past year, but I want us, David and I, we want Dwell Church to enter this new season from a posture of praise and thanksgiving. Number 10, praise produces a broken and contrite spirit. Psalm 51, verses 15 through 17 says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth would declare your praise. 
for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What does that mean? To have a, a broken and contrite heart. Over the years, you know, we, we've heard people say, God, you're not supposed to be broken. Jesus died and rose again so that you could, you know, he, you, you could have all of, the, all of the blessings. Well, so let me tell you what broken here means. And also I wanna say, we will, there, there, is a, there is a suffering that comes when we follow Christ. I don't mean sickness, that God doesn't bring sickness, but there is, there is a suffering. We get to know him in the fellowship of his suffering, of following him. But brokenness here, it, it's like, um, you've heard the term of course, breaking a horse. Breaking a horse means to bend its will to the trainer's will. Teaching the horse to submit, teaching submission. Listen to this, it involves teaching the young horse to accept a saddle, a bridle, and the weight of the rider on his back. Praise aligns us with a healthy, holy understanding of who we are, an honest, authentic contrition of heart when we acknowledge the greatness of who he is, when we say, as Jesus showed us so powerfully in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. God, I want to be broken before you. I want you to take my life I wanna to submit to your will. And when you say, go this way, I wanna go this way. I wanna to go to the left. When you say, go to the right, I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna follow hard after you. God, I ask that you would give us a broken and contrite heart. that we would be fully committed and submitted to you. The last thing I wanna say, it's not really, um, we've gone through all 10 reasons why we should praise. This is just a bonus. I'm gonna praise God simply because I want to. Because here's what, ha what's ha what happens. When we walk with the Lord, when we truly begin to understand praise, praise actually becomes a desire of our heart. 
No one has to stir us up. No one has to cheerlead us into a moment of praising him. But I've been walking with him and I've been in his presence and I've been so transformed in his presence that it's actually become a desire of my heart to praise him. And so that's our heart. That's what we pray for you, Dwell Church, that as a body, that when we come into this place, we are ready to throw our praise on King Jesus. And, and as we do that, all these other things, goodness, your praise is so powerful. Let us be a people of praise. God, may we be a people who give you glory, who, who um, let's see, a people who boast about you, who rave about you, who celebrate you. Let us be clamorously foolish in our praise because we are so in love with you. God, may we throw up our hands in worship. May we extend our hands and thank you even for the things, the promises that you've given us. And maybe we have not yet received them, but may we extend our hands to you in praise, knowing that you are faithful to complete what you've started. May we shabak you. May we lift up a shout of praise. May it not, not just be a religious exercise or just something that we do out of emotionalism, but may we understand the power of our shout to you. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.